Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osband, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masach Psachim, daf Sadi Zion, page 97. First of all, I'd like to wish everybody a happy Purim. Uh, and it's not kind of Purim for you, kind of not Purim for you. Purim um, is baby. Right. It's you have the three-day Purim, which we'll discuss at another time. Um, and this was sort of an interesting daf, and maybe it worked out well because it is Purim, so we may be learning a little bit less than we normally do. Um, this stuff really deals with one particular issue, which is about Shmuel. Um, but I want to give a little bit of background and then Anne will sort of deep dive into what Shmuel is talking about. Right. And it says, Amr Shmuel, kol meta, right. Whenever we have a case of a chatat where the animal is left to die, but Pesach parav shlamim, in those like sort of corresponding cases for the Korban Pesach, right. That's when it will be offered as a shlamim. So just to give a little background here and you know, for people who are into animal rights, this is not going to sound nice. And I'm just giving everyone a warning. But I think the whole Corbin system is a little bit difficult for us modern uh, learners. Um, so essentially, the idea is, is that there's five cases where if you have an achatas and the animal somehow ended up not getting sacrificed, it's not left out to graze. It's actually killed. In other words, they're going to lock it up and it's just not fed. And it's basically left to die. And these are the five cases, right? So when you have a Vlad Chatas, okay? So that would be um, a female Chatas, right? That ends up, you you designated a, a female animal to be a Chatas. Lo and behold, it was pregnant. It gave birth. So that baby, that's the baby animal that's born, right? We don't let it live, okay? The second one is a tamura of an existing of uh, of an existing chatas tamura chatas right so if an animal was you know basically made hegdesh as a tamura right in other words to replace another animal um and then for whatever reason you know it, it, it's uh we won't get into all the details of it but in other words uh that in that case it also it, it would be uh it wouldn't be sacrificed at all but you would do this thing where you would lock it in the cell okay a chatas whose owner dies before it could actually be offered. So that's the mate, the bala, right? That the, an owner, somebody said, I'm going to bring a chatas before they got around. They designated the animal before they got around to bring the chatas, they died. So that animal really, it's kind of ownerless in a way. Its owner can no longer bring that chatas. Okay. A chatas where the owner basically gives another chatas with a different animal right? And because the original one went, went missing. So that's right? So in other words, they did the full kapara that they needed to do, but they did it with a different animal. And the last one is, is that a chatas, right? A chatas is usually a lamb or a goat, um, which, which pass it with the first year passes. In other words, it needs to be a one-year-old animal. And if it's past that first year, right? And that's called abrash nata. Um, then you you don't bring that chatas either. Um, I actually read in one of the books that I was using to prep an interesting mnemonic, right? It's vitimna. Um, so, and that's taken from, you know, Bereshit, uh, right? Vitimna haitapi legesh. And it stands for Vlad, Tamura, Mate, Nichapru, and Avra. So Shmuel basically is saying, okay, all of these cases that we have for the chatas, the parallel for the Pesach, for the Korban Pesach, is going to be that whenever we have a chatas, it's going to basically be left to die, right? For the Korban Pesach, that animal would end up being offered as a shlamim. Um, and so then basically the Gemara is going to do a very 
deep dive into trying to understand Shmuel's statement itself. And now, Anne, with that introduction, I will hand it off to you. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm actually going to read this, uh, you know, Shmuel's original statement inside because it's it gets a little bit complicated. So the language of it itself, I'm not sure that the idea is so complicated. Amar Shmuel, kol meta, bapesach karev shlamim, so it means that any korban, that if it were a chatat, it would be left to die. These are the cases that you've just read, Yardena, that you've just explained to us about the chatat. In any of those cases, meaning where the animal was not designated to be a chatat, but it is designated to be a korban pesach, and it's one of those kinds of cases, right? The, the tmuro or the or the baby, or, you know, whatever, then that would be offered as a shlamim, but not as a korban pesach, right? That's really important. The invalidation here, it doesn't knock it out of the running of the capacity to be a korban at all, even though it is not possible to be a chatat. It's possible if it was designated to be a korban pesach, it can become a shlamim, but it's, it can't, these, these five cases cannot be korban, korban pesach either. And then, any of the other cases that would be a disqualified chata that isn't one of these five, so then it's not left to die, it just goes out to pasture. And then you can even take the value of that and transfer the kedusha and you know go buy a different carbon, let's say, for example. Right? So that's the much more humane approach. And from what I understand, that would be the majority of chata'ot that would not be eligible to be shechted as a korban would not end up being one of those five, they're much more likely to go out to pasture. So if it's a if it's one of the kinds that would go out, one of the cases that would go out to pasture, that Pesach would also go out to pasture. It wouldn't be offered as a shlamim. It wouldn't be offered as a replacement korban, which I found to be very interesting because theoretically it could, right? In as far as as far as the um, disqualifications go, as far as I understand it, or at least often, or sometimes maybe it could. Rabbi Yochanan Omer, Eina Pesach Karev Shlamim, Ele Shinimsa Achar Shechita, Aval Kodem Shechita Lo. So Rabbi Yochanan has a caveat, I would say, on the statement of Shmuel, which is that when you've got a Korban Pesach that's going to be shechted as a Shlamim, so specifically, that's the case of, if we're talking about a lost Korban Pesach, right? You've got an animal that you know, was was basically there's a difference, right, between if you've got some kind of animal that's consecrated and then it somehow gets lost, or if it's consecrated and now you have to defer the offering. So if it, it's missing, right, that's right, it's gone missing. So now what are you going to do with it? So Rabbi Yochanan says, if you've got a korban pesach that is supposed to go as a shlamim, and then that can only happen if that lost animal was found after the replacement korban Pesach was already shechted, right? And that's when you would end up, um, let me just say this right, so that a Pesach is only going to be offered as a korban shlamim, after the replacement korban Pesach has already been shechted. If the replacement korban Pesach has not already been shechted, then you might as well let it go out to pasture. So for all that, this is a very difficult passage, I think, not only for animal lovers, you know, I think that for anybody, it seems it seems a little bit wasteful and a little bit, you know, denigrating of an animal's life. I think that there's, at the same time, there is a consideration here that says they're going to make, they're going to make every effort to not have that happen. They're not going to offer 
grab an arch slum him, you know, um, willy nilly, right? Then they're, they're going to make sure that it's only under if these f- conditions are fulfilled, and then they have to do something because it's already been consecrated. In which case, it becomes much harder to swap it and and so on. Um, but if it, the carbon hasn't, if the replacement carbon hasn't been shafted already, then you're not then the they're not put in the position of having to worry in the same way about the carbon that was invalidated, right? That got lost, whatever. So my understanding, and your data, I would welcome your chiming in if you have a different one, is that Shmuel's statement here um, is, on the one hand, a kind of a convoluted sentence, but on the other hand, a pretty general statement. And what happens then on the DAF is that we've got some objections to Shmuel's statement. And my understanding is that they're all kind of... um, the complaint is that his statement is too broad as opposed to saying that he's wrong. It's more that it's, you know, it won't apply in all of these different cases or, or how did he really get that principle? So here's, uh, we'll just go a little bit. Matifla Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef really did not like Shmuel's statement. And he says, is this a real rule? Is this a principle that's going to apply in every possible circumstance? And that's what I mean when I say, you know, it seems that there's an objection to the, to how broad this statement is. On the assumption that it is in fact broad, the hare chatach of Rashnata de de liria azla, the Amar Reb Shimon ben Lakish chatach of Rashnata roino taki ilu he omitted bevet akvarot vroa. So Reb Yosef's um, rebuttal, I guess, is as follows. He says, "Don't we have a case of a of a korban chatat that is no longer, you know, within its first year?" And once it's no longer in its first year, it's no longer eligible to be offered as a chatat. And so then it's going to go graze. And why do you set it out to graze? You set it out to graze so that over time, it will get some kind of blemish. And then once it develops a blemish, you can't offer it as a korban anyway. It's become invalidated of its own physicality from being offered as a korban. And then, you know, once it's got a blemish, there's all kinds of things you can do with it that don't involve, you know, gratuitous killing. Right, so then the idea is that you have you've got your korban chatat that one year has passed. You can't offer it as a korban, and Reish Lakish's example is very, um, it's vivid. I would say, you know, it's as if that korban is standing in a cemetery. What does it mean he's standing in a cemetery? The kohen can't go in there to get it to offer it on the korban, which I thought was when I first read it. I was like, in a cemetery? That's really kind of lurid or gruesome or morbid or something but it's not that it's the idea that the kohen who would then come and offer the korban isn't going to enter the beta kfaro because of you know the kohen is going to avoid tumat mate right the impurity from a dead body or from a cemetery right and then it's going to graze until it develops a blemish and then what do you do you sell that animal the blemished animal it can't be the korban and you give its kedusha to the proceeds of the sale meaning on the money and then you take that same money and you go and you buy your shlomim. In which case, it's a much more, you know, like I said, you're not, there's nobody, there's no shita of that's just gratuitous. There's no wastefulness here. I don't know. Maybe that's not fair to say about carbonate ever. But the idea that um, we're going to let nature take its course and eventually the am- animal will become blemished. What's it doing in that time? It's standing and it's grazing. Like it's not a hard life here. It's uh, it's an interesting way to look at it. I you know this this whole very close reading of Shmuel and how confusing a statement is. Um, I'm just taken by why they need it to line up exactly right. Like I read it initially as 
he's just sort of giving like a general principle, but they're really trying to figure out like what Tana does he exactly fit like? And again, I think this shows the piece of, you know, being connected to a previous generation and a previous understanding is really a value here, right? It's not about like coming up with um, something halakhically innovative, but it's really being able, how do you, how do you always trace your opinion back? And so here we have a typical scenario where you have like an Amor who says something, it's worded in a way that can lead to some openness of interpretation or confusion. And then you sort of have to work backwards through all the Tanayim or even some other Amorayim and say, okay, where does this fit in with all of the other opinions that we've seen before? And what's coming next, right? Meaning we've just given here a snippet of this daf. It's a very short daf, but but still the the explication of how Shmuel's statement is going to be applied or rejected, right? Or again, or narrowed. Um, there's much more to it here. And I'm just going to end with one other thing. You know, yesterday we talked about sort of that these two different opinions of the finding the animal, the Korban Pesach before Chatzot, right? When you lost the animal, and then you find, you know, you designate another animal and then you find it again. And this splitting between chatzot or is it predicated on shrita really again, right? And it's really trying to figure out which way, you know, how do different people understand that? You know, again, is it through time or is it through action? What's going to be the defining factor for what you do with that korban Pesach, the first korban Pesach animal that you designated? That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcasts. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think about all of these carbonot and what we do with them when they don't pan out the way we expect. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Have a happy perm, everybody. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 